welcome back to the Centre Pass podcast brought to you by Netball Draft Central. My name is Sophie Taylor and as always, I'm joined by Taylor Malky. How's it going, Tay? Oh, it's been an absolutely chaotic morning, Soph, but in the best way possible because we've got some really good news coming out, out about international netball. So that's always great to kick things off. Yes, how exciting the Constellation Cup is returning to Australia for the first time in about two years, I reckon, by this point. Um, in September, it will be back. Two matches in Oz, two matches in New Zealand. So exciting. It's a great opportunity. I think we saw at the end of last year when the Aussie Diamonds girls were able to go over to New Zealand and play. It was it was great just to see them out on court. So it will be interesting to see how they go this season, especially or this international series, especially given that they've been able to play the Suncorp Super Netball in a non-condensed way. So they've had more recovery and things like that. So it's really, really great to see. And clearly, if all things continue the way they are, given the current uh, COVID-19 restrictions and all of the requirements and hoops, players, officials, and so on and so forth have to jump through. Yeah, definitely. It should be very, very interesting. I think there was the announcement with it saying that the Diamond Squad would be announced sometime in early August. So that's certainly something to look forward to as well because we don't really know what to expect. Obviously, we did have the Constellation Cup earlier on this year, so we did get to see a lot of players in action. But SSN happening and ANZ happening, we we don't know who will be in the uh, cards, I guess, for both nations. Well, maybe in the next episode, you and I can go through and see who we think are a couple of Smokies to potentially make their way into the Diamond Squad this season, or this year, I should say, because there's been a, quite a few players that have really uh, put their best foot forward this season, and then some that are clearly not going to be in action, the likes of Lizzie Watson, who has been a stalwart in that Diamonds outfit. She's not going to be there, still recovering, I would imagine, from her foot injury. It'll be interesting to see whether or not Caitlin Bassett gets the gig because over in the ANZ Premiership in the past few weeks, she has gained a little bit more momentum but hasn't been her dominant self. So there's plenty of questions looking at the Diamonds lineup and even you looking over at the, I was going to say New South Wales Swifts, (laughs) looking over at the New Zealand Ferns, you look over at the likes of Maya Wilson and she has been down on her usual standards and they also don't have the likes of Emilia and Ekanasio, Katrina Rore, so they're going to be without a couple of stars. It's a very, very interesting time for both nations. Yeah, Australia is certainly in its rebuild at the moment. I think everyone's aware of that. New Zealand went through it a few years ago, but we're both kind of suffering um, that thing at the moment of a lot of players who were taking time out for pregnancy or for whatever reason and um, that's obviously a huge decision to make, uh, but it also opens up opportunities for other younger players or developing players to get a nod in there so it should definitely be very very interesting Uh, another thing that's come out this week is there's going to be a pride well not a pride round but a pride match between the Collingwood Magpies and Queensland Firebirds I'm fairly certain it's a Firebirds initiative and the Magpies have joined along with that so that's a great step in obviously Australia to kind of ensuring that those rounds are made to Be public and be acknowledged, which is really, really great to see. Disappointing that SSN as a whole haven't necessarily backed the idea, but what a great initiative by the Firebirds to see this opportunity and and really showcase just how inclusive we want netball to be and we want to ensure that everyone from all walks of life, no matter what you identify as, can feel a part of netball and that's exactly what you want the sport to be. We saw in the VNL, was it last week or the week before, 
we both commentated Pride Round and it was great. You saw the dresses and, you know, it was just a great honour for all the players out on court. And they even said it, you know, that it was, it was great for them to be able to recognise Pride Round. And it's a really, really great step forward for netball and Australia as a whole, especially in the sporting world. Definitely. Well, I could not have put it better myself, Tay. We're going to head straight into SSN round 10 now. And it was opened by a bit of a disappointing match. The New South Wales Swifts came out firing and the Vixens just struggled all day. It was a 62-48 win the way of the Swifts. It was abysmal to watch. As harsh as that sounds, if I didn't have to write the match report on it, I think I would have turned off by <laughs> half time because the Swifts just absolutely smothered the Vixens. Six goals to 18 in that first quarter is just ridiculous netball yeah. from both sides, if that makes sense, because there is no way that a Suncorp Super Netball team should be kept to a mere six goals, especially when you have the likes of Mike and Wenda at your disposal. She is an absolutely stellar goal shooter, but it's her efforts are almost just going to waste because they can't get ball into the circle or it's just lost in translation. But full credit to the Swifts. They'll be disappointed with that final term, 23-15. A couple of super shots there from Kamwenda kept the Vixens a little bit more, gave them a little bit more respectability on the scoreline. Yeah, it was a bizarre game to watch. I went with my mum. I took her to her first Suncorp Super Netball game ever. I think it's the first time she's been to a live game since like 2006 Com Games. And we were kind of a little bit gobsmacked in that first quarter. Just it it was really frustrating to watch because like you said, MJ Conwender is such a huge target in the goal circle. But it it was that scenario where neither of the Swift's defenders in Turner or Clough had to focus on the goal attack because the goal attack wasn't doing anything. So Kumwenda was unreachable. They could not get the ball to her. And then it was just a struggle, honestly. And a full credit to the Swifts for it. I think Taylor Fraser got her first start in wing defence for the season. She played the full 60 minutes. She was so impressive. She covered Hannah Mundy so well. And Mundy had her moments, but I think Fraser well and truly got the better of her throughout. And yeah, even though MJ put up, I think it was something like six super shots in the last quarter alone, that's not enough to win a game at the end of the day. And you can't be relying on super shots. And Vixens were one of the teams that didn't rely on super shots last season. So it's really frustrating to see um, a team that has never had to rely on it before kind of go back and be like, we need to do this to stay close to the teams. It was a very disappointing performance all round, I think, for the Vixens. There wasn't a single player that I think was able to really command that ascendancy throughout the entire game. While the defensive end had moments, you know, Joe Weston showed glimpses, uh, Kate Eddy had moments. There was just nothing that was really wow, okay, this is how they're going to change the game. And that was just full credit to the Swifts. They were in great form. And just you even looking through this midcourt battle, and I want to bring up the fact Kate Maloney only had eight goal assists. That's incredibly low. And that's unfortunately also where it kind of fell down because the Swifts have so many great players at their disposal in the midcourt, whether, whether it be Paige Hadley, Nat Hazelon-Thwaite, uh, Maddie Proud, Taylor Fraser, they have all of these players that can kind of rotate through and they all did, not clearly not all of them went into that wing defence role or centre position, but 
Maloney was shut down and therefore the Vixen's, the Vixen's front end yeah. was shut down. There was just – it was like watching what, under 10s. They simply <laughs> could not get any – they couldn't get any penetration. There was no second phase depth. There was just – stuck so a lot to think about for the vixens uh i saw sherelle the other week warming up and i thought oh <laughs> here we go you know we're gonna do it on court uh, anything's possible at this stage because if i had sherelle sitting on, on the bench next to me i'd be tempted to throw her out on court i reckon she's still got it but she doesn't even have to run put put mj out in front of her and put sherelle in goal shooter just let her stand still She'll exactly they watch everyone just stand there a in awe because how is sherelle out on court but yeah. b she she was shooting goals and I was like, is is she making a return or what's happening here? But God, it's it's that. disappointing for the Vixens because clearly they've gone from premiers to absolutely nothing this season. And it's it sounds harsh, but it's definitely not a good season for them. But full credit to the Swifts. They were an unstoppable. Their shooting combinations just continue to get better. Sammy Wallace yeah. played 45 minutes and shot 33 goals straight. Yeah including a super shot too. And it's just that reliability there. Garbin was also excellent. Houseby has continued on her good traje- trajectory, sorry, from last week. It was just an all-round excellent game from the Swifts and the Vixens just could not compare. But we'll head into the second game now and this was the upset of the round. I think everyone can agree with that. It was the Lightning beating the Fever 65-61 on Fever's home turf. This was an absolute thriller. Considering that the Lightning had gotten done the week before by the Vixens by two goals or something like that, it was a super shot at the end, wasn't it? Or was that the week week before? I'm double checking. It was three goals. Yeah. Uh, okay. So close enough. Two, three goals. In the end, the Lightning never should have lost that. And that came, that anger, that fire yeah. came out in this clash and what a performance it was by the lightning. It wasn't just one player that stepped up to the plate. It was the entire squad. And that's what we've said time and time again here on the podcast that to defeat the light, the fever, you need to have a full court defensive pressure. And that's exactly what they did. Kara Conan and Steph Wood were just phenomenal to watch. And to see the way that Conan used her footwork and her smarts against Courtney Bruce was just poetry <laughs> emotion. Clearly, you can't see it now, but I'm just glee. Yeah. I'm so happy with the way <laughs> that she worked herself into the game. And that's also an exciting thing for future for the Diamonds, especially because clearly Courtney Bruce is a renowned defender. We have her in our Aussie Diamonds team, but to have Conan be able to really strongly combat her and then put up 43 goals from 48 attempts is just a great, great effort. And then you look at the likes of Steph Wood, and I would say this has probably been her best game to date. 19 goals from 21, uh, three super shots straight, say that one 10 times fast, (laughs) and 18 goal assists. What more could you possibly... And an intercept. Yeah, well, (laughs) don't the goal attacks love that? But what more could you possibly want from a goal attack? Yeah, the the two of them, we already know they're so good. And when one of them has the confidence, the other one builds from it too. And they just absolutely start. The other end I want to speak about is obviously the defensive circle. I know I wasn't the only one who was worried that Pumza Moweni wouldn't take the court after that ankle roll last round. So it was really, really good to see her on the court. And she was just phenomenal. She smothered Fowler so well she kept her away from the ball Fowler still got plenty of shots up I think it was 43 45 sorry 45 straight goals 
but it wasn't the same volume that she is used to having and that is where you need to stop the fever don't allow the volume into the circle and they were just so good and Sasha Glasgow has been finding some form but then struggled at times and they brought Alice Teague Neild in and the same thing happened so it was it was really really interesting to see that confidence from the lightning and the lack of confidence from the fever both coming in off close losses last round. And the other thing that I want to bring up is that mid-court battle as well. In the past, the Lightning have been criticised for not having that extra depth, but this game, I think they really took it up. And the combination of Laura Sherry and Mahalia Cassidy and Maddie McAuliffe, the three of them worked really, really well to kind of confuse the space. And especially in defence, Cassidy and McAuliffe applied some really strong hands over pressure. And we've said time and time again that to stop the likes of Verity Charles, who is just a ball magnet and has ridiculous feeds into Fowler, you need to stop her vision. And that's what they did. And that is how they were able to beat the fever. And one thing I want to also mention is the fact that you said last week, Soph, is this uh, like have, have the cards been revealed a little bit too early for the fever in bringing on that moving circle and we mm. saw it once again yeah. when the chips were down they went to the bench and went okay it's time for Tegneald and Glasgow to get injected into the game but if it's not a combination that is necessarily on song in terms of both of their shooting accuracies can be a little bit hit and miss then it provides an opportunity for the other team especially here the Lightning to capitalize and that's what they did. Yeah definitely and especially against dynamic defenders like Pretorius and Mawaini, that's not always a viable option. We saw last week when the change was made with uh, Hadley, uh, not Hadley, sorry, Turner and um, Clow, the two of them almost seemed confused when, when the change was made and they didn't adjust quick enough and that was how the scoreline got reduced so quickly. But this week the Lightning had not necessarily organised for it, but they now knew that this was something that we could see happening and they were able to adjust so quickly and just drilled it down. And even though the Fever still won that last quarter, the Lightning did not relent and they were so strong defensively. Just two players on that Lightning team didn't get a gain and that was Sherin and Conan. Everyone else had at least one gain uh, Mawaini with three and two intercepts. It was just a phenomenal defensive performance all round from the Lightning. They took up Laura Langman's uh, bin chickens and well and truly <laughs> ran with it there. And it was just a com- complete performance by them. And hopefully they'll be able to continue to build on that form because in the past, or especially last year and this year, they've been incredibly inconsistent yeah. and have shown these glimpses of great play and then the next week they're unable to front up. So they really need to be able to just ensure that they keep cool, calm and collected this game to be able to build that momentum. Yeah, 100%. Well, we'll head on to the third game now and it was the Adelaide Thunderbirds versus the Queensland Firebirds. Firebirds ran them, uh, the Thunderbirds down in the second half, winning 63-47. to 47. It was a very good game from the Firebirds. They were able to score 17 goals and 17 goals in the third and fourth quarters. So that's a high volume of shots and that's what they need to be doing. That for me is when they are at their best, when they're able to play with a lot of freedom inside attack because that allows the likes of Buetta to play with her natural flair and for Aiken to bring out the party tricks and also to allow someone like Tipper Dwan to come into the game and enter when it isn't as necessarily do or die. Yeah. 
And clearly Dwan last year had a very different role to what she has this year. So last year she was able to work herself into games. This year it's an injection rather yeah. than you have 60 minutes to try and find your feet. No, no you need to come on and, go, yeah. and have a point to prove. So it was a good performance in the attacking end with Aiken, Bueda and Dwan. But defensively, it was Tara Hinchley's 50th game. So yeah. that's come along very, very quickly. I yeah. didn't expect that one, but she was strong again. And her partnership with Kim Jenner clearly is one that many people have kept an eye out for. I feel at times they have gone a little bit quiet. Yeah, I agree. Especially Jenna. She's almost fallen off the radar a little bit. But we've also both discussed that it's almost as if her game is changing. Yeah, They're trying to take away that ball-hungry mentality and looking making her more of a one-on-one defender, which is both good and bad. But all around, the Firebirds will be happy. But this is just one win if they need to or if they want to push for finals, they're going to have to do something spectacular because... To be fair, the Thunderbirds are sitting towards the bottom of the ladder. Yeah, and obviously you just touched on Hinchliffe's 50th um, match. It was also Hannah Petty's 50th, and she had an excellent game um, to give her full credit for that. 20-goal assists and intercept, three deflections. Um, led the charge for the Thunderbirds. It was also both Kara Conan and Mahalia Cassidy's um, 50th for the Lightning game too. So congrats to all four of those players. And there's one more milestone, which we'll touch on in the next game. Because Hard to forget that one. You can't forget that one. But going back to the Firebirds, they were just really, really strong. And one of the changes that I really liked was the change from Lara Dunkley to Gemma Maimai in wing attack. At times, I mean, we we all know that the two of them have very different strengths and not necessarily weaknesses, but um, things that the other has that one doesn't have. Do you know what I mean? Speed in particular. Yeah, so Mai Mai brought the speed that Dunkley just didn't quite um, add to the match in the first half. And she was just really, really solid combining with Kimi Rav, who had an excellent game, combining with Bueda, combining with... um, Gabby through the midcourt, Tipper, Romelda. She was just so... She was almost like the glue that kept it all going, if that makes sense. I sometimes find that Mai Mai crowds the space a little bit, but she didn't seem to be doing that too much in this match. And I was really impressed with her performance. She finished with nine goal assists, two deflections. I think she only played about... 31 minutes. 31 minutes, so just about a half there. Um, So, yeah, I was really happy with her performance. And to the Thunderbirds credit they didn't necessarily put out a bad game they just got completely run down and every single pocket of momentum that they managed to get the Firebirds would fire back and Pot Gita had a really good game 37 goals from 38 attempts but obviously she was against Hinchliffe who's having a really good season um Nankavel was kept completely quiet by Gabby Simpson I was so impressed with Gabby Simpson this week she just starred for me um I've already touched on Hannah Petty Sterling was a little bit quieter than usual, five gains, three intercepts. But in all fairness, she was up against someone like Aiken, so she doesn't necessarily have the height to be able to swat away ball, if that makes sense. They were more evenly matched. So the two of them, it was a a very good battle. And to touch on that fact you just spoke about with Macy Nankerville and Gabby Simpson, for me, this was always going to be the interesting pairing because – This is where Macy Nankerville falls into the trap of going back into a wing defense role. And we've seen that when she's played against Amy Parmenta, who once again is a traditional wing defense. She almost tries to go into her wing defense mindset and tries to negate 
her opposition rather than playing her attacking game. And that was what happened here is that Gabby Simpson was able to play the role that she needed to do, which then made Nankerville go, oh, well, she's having a good impact. I need to go into a wing defense role. And it kind of stopped that fluidity in attack. Yeah, I agree. She didn't have a huge amount of penalties, but the penalties that she did have were things where you can't afford for your wing attack to be to be doing that. And it's little errors here and there where we look at the Thunderbirds midcourt and we go, they just don't have the experienced head in there that is going to change the game around and lead the side to victory. Whereas you've got at least two in there for the Firebirds in Ravs and Simpson and... Then you throw in the likes of Buetta through the midcourt, whereas the Thunderbirds have someone like Georgie Horges. Yeah, and Horges, to her credit, shot 8 from 12. She was fairly well covered by Jenna. And again, Jenna hasn't been having the greatest season, but was fairly consistent in this one at the very least. I think she finished with a couple of intercepts. Um, But yeah, I, I think the Firebirds, for them, this is the start of something good, but they need to, effectively, they need to win every game for the remainder of the season to guarantee a spot in finals. And even then, I think a lot of it is dependent on whether the Fever keep up their run, which likely they will against the lower ranked teams because they've still got a match against the Vixens coming up. And it will also rely on the Giants. I think the Swifts and Lightning are potentially too far out in front now with only, I think it's three matches remaining now, four matches. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be a very, very intense battle towards the end of the season. And ladder positions are going to be crucial, especially, and clearly ladder positions are going to be crucial, but percentage in particular is going to be the defining factor at the moment. Absolutely. Well, we'll head into the last game of the round. And as well as it being the last game, it was also Jeeva Mentor's 200th domestic or national league appearance it was also funny enough the 20 year anniversary which just blows my mind but the 20 year anniversary of her debut for England as a 16 year old which number one what a cool way to celebrate your anniversary um number two 20 years it's insane it gives me shivers just thinking about that because to think she has been at the top of her game for 20 years is just mind-boggling. And to also think that she debuted at the age of 16. Yeah. That's just, how does someone do that? And how does she maintain that level of excellence for as long as she has? So congratulations to her for 200 games. Definitely not the way she would have liked for it to have gone down. Collingwood were 49, defeated by Giants 58. So a comprehensive performance by the Giants, Especially one good thing is she did get to come up against her old mate in Joe Harton. So they would have shared many of uh, laughs along the way. But for the Magpies, it was that first quarter that really cost them nine goals to 14. Yeah. And just the Giants' capacity to just chip away at teams is yeah. is starting to become their gameplay. And that's really what they're becoming renowned for. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's worth keeping in mind that the Magpies did not have Kelsey Brown, which we didn't find out until later last week. She had suffered a concussion from the previous round. So, I mean, a lot of people will be hoping she's back for this week against the Vixens. I'm in two minds because I want her to be back because concussion's never fun, but also I want the Vixens to have a win. But uh, oh, that's here beside we go. the point. <laughs> so Maggie Lind came in for... Uh, Kelsey Brown, I thought it was very interesting that of all the choices they had, they started someone who hasn't played a single game at SSN level in wing attack 
to start the game, especially against someone as crafty and creative and dynamic as Amy Parmenter. I thought that was a really interesting coaching choice. I don't know if I personally would have made it myself. It was an incredibly odd and silly move because this was – just looking at the stats, Maggie Wind in that first quarter alone, oh, she only had one general play turnover, but she was just not finding the space. And as you touched on there, so for me, I personally, if I was Nicole Richardson, I would have thought easily put Molly Jovic into wing yeah. attack, Ash Brads into centre, and then you've got the likes of Mal Bragg in wing defence. Yeah. Easy as you like. Or you could potentially put Jodie Ann Ward in wing defence and bring Jackie Newton on in goal defence. There were options aplenty, but it was just very interesting that they went with Lind to start. Yeah, that was my main question for the Magpies there. It just seemed a little bit odd. I will say they did a fairly good job staying in the match. They didn't let the Giants extend to a huge lead. It was only really that last... I mean, it was really that third and fourth quarter where... They kept trying to get close and the Magpies would score a few goals in the row, in a row and then the Giants would fire back. And it was kind of like there was a three to five goal kind of margin that stuck around for a long time there where neither team could really chip away or extend it. So full credit to the Magpies for not letting that get out. And I think a lot of that credit should go to the defensive work rate of Jodie Ann Ward. And I've been going on and on about Ward this season because I think she's just been fantastic. Six intercepts, and I think it was 10 gains too. She just absolutely starred for the Magpies, and she is a real live wire. She was phenomenal just to watch out on court. Her footwork is beyond impressive. And all of a sudden, she'll just pop out of nowhere. And you're like, how did she manage to (laughs) twist her body and contort herself in that way to win ball back? And she was just that. So if the live wire that Collingwood continuously needed to rely on, Jeeva was probably a bit quieter than she would have liked. She did still end up with seven deflections. So still a, a strong effort, but yeah, Ward was just phenomenal and she played both goal defence and wing defence so she showcased that flexibility and it was great, a great performance by her. But touching on the Giants, Maddie Hay was a, a really strong competitor and one of the players that continues to fly under the radar. She ended up with 23 goal assists, so no mean feat. And then you look at the likes of Jamie Lee Price, she was up and about 16 goal assists, a couple of intercepts, a couple of gains. So that midcourt for the Giants was ultimately what won them the game because Collingwood gave away so many easy passes in that middle third. And that's where the Giants had that composure and those tried and tested connections that they could rely on to push ball from defense into attack. Yeah, definitely. Touching on the Giants attacking end again, Sophie Dwyer and Joe Harton have formed a really great combination. Harton played out some of the game in goal attack, finished with 24 goals, Dwyer with 31 from 38. I will say, again, it's that inaccuracy that kind of hurts me because you look at the Giants and they need percentage and they can't afford to be missing goals like that and then only winning by nine goals against one of the lower teams. And again, we've already credited the credited the Magpies for their exceptional work, but the Giants didn't always look like they were winning, if that makes sense. At times, they looked like they had that mentality and that go, go, go and um, winning form in their minds. And at times, you kind of watch them miss a goal from right in front and you're going, what's happening here? Like, so I I get very frustrated watching the Giants because they do have the capacity to make finals. And 
they effectively have it sewn up if they keep winning games, but they need percentage and they need to not be missing those easy shots. It's almost as if they're not prepared to go full throttle just yet. So they're just putting half a foot down rather than really grinding out for a full four quarters to just completely dominate teams. So it will be interesting to see if whether or not they can kick it up a gear and can compete for a full 60 minutes. Definitely. Well, it was a huge, huge round. We're going to go through our team of the week. Now, Taylor, do you want to take it away with the attack end? I will. So this week we have gone in goal shooter, Kara Conan, and in goal attack, Steph Wood. So two Sunshine Coast Lightning goalers. It was hard to go past them. Both both of us actually were on the money and both agreed straight away and had them written down in our uh, respective teams of the week because it is hard to go past the efforts that the two of them had out on court. Conan was phenomenal with her fancy footwork and just that baseline dodge and drive. She was just great to watch. And Wood was not only impressive in terms of her shooting accuracy, but so too with ball in hand to rack up the amount of goal assists, goal assists that she did. So full credit to her. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> in the midcourt, we have Maddie Hay in wing attack, Maddie Proud in centre and Amy Parmenta in wing defence. The three of them were all so strong and we had a couple of options to go in wing D. We were tossing up about whether Gabby should go in there because of Nankavel, but Palmy just was outstanding. Maddie Proud, I mean, we've gone on and on about how good she's been this season. She's just starred. Um, and yeah, Maddie Hay has also had a really good couple of rounds, really great on the assist front, also able to get her hands over and create turnovers. So that is our midcourt. And then defensively, it is no surprise that we have gone Jodie Ann Ward. So she had a phenomenal performance there for Collingwood Magpies, just her ability to hunt ball and be a constant threat was great to watch. And someone we didn't necessarily speak too much about has gotten a nod in goalkeeper with Sarah Clow. She was a force to be reckoned with for the Swifts in just about absolutely everything, spent time in both goalkeeper and goal defence, so showcased her endurance and just overall smarts to play in both positions. But she ended up with 11 games and 11 deflections. That's just ridiculous numbers. Yeah, she just absolutely starred. Well, and our subs too, we've got Pumza Mawaini in the defensive sub. I mean, we all know what she did to limit Fowler, so full credit to her. We've gone Gretel Bueta in goal attack or in goals um obviously she had an excellent game and then we've gone Kimi Rav as our center uh, rotation the only reason why she didn't get the starting center is because she had seven turnovers otherwise she was our shoe-in yeah we'll take a look at the ANZ premiership round 13 of action now three huge matches played out definitely not quite the results that I was expecting First up, it was the Central Pulse beating the Magic by the smallest margin, 55 to 51. So it, the margin could have been smaller. It definitely <laughs> could have been smaller, but it was a it was a very tricky game, to be perfectly honest, because the Pulse snapped a five-game uh, five losing streak and the Magic haven't won since round one. Yeah. So it's incredibly disheartening for the Magic because they have shown glimpses. I think the goal-shooting 
combination of Caitlin Bassett and Keanu Williams is the winning formula that they need, but they're still trying to find out that combination down in defense because Temelisi Fakahakatau is returning from injury, so she's still not getting a whole heap of court time. So that allowed the likes of Aaliyah Dunn to really dominate, and Dunn has been quiet the past few rounds, but managed to find her groove this game. 41 goals from 44 attempts. So she was up and about, and that allowed the pulse to really generate some movement inside attack and kept the magic on the back foot. So a big win for them. Clearly their season has definitely not gone to plan. And this is a great opportunity for them to kind of get a little bit more respectability on the ladder. Yeah, definitely. It was really only that second quarter that lost it for the magic. It was 16 goals to nine and they won. They had, scored evenly in the first quarter and then won the second half. So the Magic, like we've been saying all season, they, they're a real fighter of a team. They're always ready to rally from coming from behind, but they need to be able to do that from the get-go to really drill at home and to force teams into these errors earlier on. Um, you already touched on the defensive unit. Georgia Tong only played 19 minutes. Temelisi Fokohokotau only played 16 minutes. So they had issues with trying to figure out what the combinations were because Tong had injury the other week, didn't she? Uh, There's been a few little niggles here, there and everywhere. So I think Tong came off the other week with a a head knock or something like that. So there have been a few players and, you know, there's the likes of Holly Fowler who's still returning uh, from injury as well. Oh, was it? Yeah, Holly Fowler had an injury at the end of last year. So there are a few players for the Magic defensively that are, still on the mend, if that makes sense. So it did allow the Pulse attackers to really utilise their combinations, especially with the likes of Whitney Sooners and Claire Kirsten out the front, just to exploit those cracks in the Magic defensive unit. Yeah, I think for me it was the Sooners factor. They They couldn't block the circle the way that they wanted to and they also couldn't do it on the outside and that ended up being the downfall for the Magic there. So... A little bit frustrating for the Magic. A win is in the cards. It's just about whether it will come before the season ends because there's only two rounds left now. And we know what the Magic are capable of. We know that they have come close in so many matches this season, but it just hasn't come yet. Second game of the round was the Southern Steel beating the Mystics 61-58. to It was a very, very interesting one. Mystics have sat atop the ladder for the last few rounds now, so the Steel have just come and snatched a win off them. Well, funnily enough, the last team for the Mystics to lose against was the Steel five rounds go. ago, so it's a little bit of deja vu for them. For me, this game came all the way down to stopping Peta Toyava, and that was thanks to Renee Savanaya. She had an absolutely stellar game, probably her best game to date. And it was just her combativeness and ability around Circle Edge to really push Toyava out of her comfort zone. So we've seen in the past weeks that Toyava's racked up probably 30 goal assists thereabout. This yeah. week, she only recorded 22. So that's just credit to uh, Savanaya's just ability to really grind down the game and really take Toyava away from the action and force her wide or with her hands over pressure. So it was a really great performance from her. Defensively, uh, Tanisha Fafita was up and about. She had two intercepts but was still quiet, if that makes sense. But it really just came down to that work through the the midcourt to shut down the Mystics and similar to almost the fever is once you shut down the mystics midcourt you can't feed into grace wiki yeah 
George Fisher made her full return this week. She played a full game out in goal shooter, which is great to see. Obviously, she came off with a head knock a few rounds ago. So great to see her back out on court. Um, she was really strong. Again, Tiana Metuado just continues to grow 22 from 26. Her volume is getting higher and higher every week, and she's able to really carry that circle when she needs to. The thing that was quite exciting to see for the Mystics, even though they did come away with the three-goal loss, we did see see Phoenix Karaka come back on um, for the first time this season since giving birth. Um, so that's great to see and also kind of terrifying as an Aussie knowing that New Zealand selections are coming up at some point because oh, yes. she's been a stronghold in there. So I didn't even think of it from that perspective <laughs> as I was watching. I was like, oh, isn't that great to see another another superstar netball mum that's made her return after giving birth? Not, oh, we've got uh, yeah, international series <laughs> <laughs> but looking at the mystics wiki was great again 50 from 57 um she you know how sometimes at the beginning of game she will lose a couple of balls she just had sticky fingers you could not steal that ball off her she was so strong um five rebounds too it's that bailey mez factor again where i kind of am just constantly frustrated by the lack of goals that come from her because we know that she can shoot accurately accurately when she puts them up but she ended up only playing a quarter and maybe I think it was a quarter and a bit quarter and a half and it it's not enough you need your goal to be firing from the get-go well the really good thing is that once Phil Davui does come onto the court it's a really seamless transition yeah. and as soon as she came on she just brought this aura of composure and the the team looked really settled with her so I do think that they are potentially doing a transitional thing yeah we do have to keep in mind that Be- Mez is still returning from an injury yeah so she's clearly not at full fitness but it is still kind of questioning whether or not she does deserve a start and maybe you bring her on as an impact player. Let someone like Vui get the nod, start things off. If they're not going to plan, then bring in the experience of Mez. Well, we'll head on to the third game of the round now and this was another surprise, I guess. Not necessarily – I think the tactics – it was the tactics beating the Stars, spoiler alert. It was 52 to 39. It wasn't so much – the tactics winning that surprised me because they have really been rallying the past few rounds, but it's the margin that they did it by. That is a huge margin against a side that was leading the competition for majority of the season. And now the stars are actually out of out of the top three. So yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not they can even make it back in. So they've lost three games in a row now. It's looking a little bit dire. I will say that they was a little bit cons- there were a few concerns about Maya Wilson and whether or not she was fully fit or a bit under the weather because she only managed eight from 16. So yeah. 50% just looked all out of sorts. But Amarangi Malasala was a really great uh, addition to the side. Jamie Hume was consistent, 15 from 20. And Monica Faulkner is another player on the mend and another one that uh, Aussie fans should be a little bit scared of because she is up for uh, Fern's contention if she's able to get her body 100% fit. So a disappointing effort from the Stars. But my goodness, if we want to talk about areas of concern, the combination between Karen Berger and Jane Watson is terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> 12 gains between the two of them. Uh, no, sorry. 12 gains between – no. 22. 22 <laughs> gains between the two of them. 12 coming from Karen Berger, 
five intercepts. Yeah. She was just amazing to watch. Every single time the ball entered anywhere near that defensive or that attacking end for the Stars, Karen Berger was there. Yeah. You turned around, Berger was there. It was just (laughs) like she covered the court and then not only was she doing her role in defence, but then five seconds later you'd blink and she was in transition. So she has really found her spot at home here in the tactics unit and it's a bit scary. Yeah, definitely. I mean, looking at the other end, Ellie Bird, 44 from 45. Tapia Selby-Rickett, low on accuracy, but 30 goal assists, 8 from 14. So, yeah, 57%. But who needs a goal attack shooting at <laughs> shooting at 100% when she's able to register 30 goal assists, get the ball to Ellie Bird that easily? Only two of her assists, uh, only two of her feeds, sorry, didn't – actually, no, feed with – Feed with an, an attempt. All 30 of her of her goal assists ended up in a goal. It's ridiculous. Yeah. How does that happen? I it don't understand. <laughs> it's insane. She just knows exactly where Bird is going to be. It's like the two of them read each other's minds. And you look at Ericana Pedersen, she played three quarters out in wing attack. And she did a really great job at the centre pass and being that kind of assisting role and just kind of stepping back and allowing Selby Rickett to control where she needed to do it and then stepping up where she wasn't able to take that control. And it it was just a really strong performance all round from the tactics. And that's been the difference this year from the tactics is that each player out on court knows their role. So Kimura Poi is become is renowned for more of that defensive minded game and that was on show here but she also can switch into that more attacking mindset if need be Erikana Pedersen is the same that she knows that when she needs to take that hard ball and when she needs to hit the top of the circle or when she should just sit back relax and enjoy the Tapia Selby Rickett show so (laughs) like the rest of us yeah well it's it was a great performance by the tactics and one that will put a bit of fear into the other teams yeah, the thing that's also scary is you look at the stars and Anna Harrison and El Temu had four intercepts each too. So it's not like they weren't generating the ball back. It was just the fact that they could not get through that midcourt defence. And especially, I think it was that Gina Crampton, Mia, uh, Mila Rialu Buchanan, the two of them have been so strong this season. But the connection, it didn't necessarily break down, but they were both so well covered that they couldn't find an easy option anywhere the two of them only combined for 31 goal assists between them which is still a great number but considering Gina Crampton I think last week alone had 30 herself yeah she had 35 it it says a lot about how well the tactics were able to shut her down I think that was Charlotte Alley played a full game out in wing defense and just completely negated any work that Gina Crampton did so it was just a really formidable performance by the stars Well, that's all we've got time for on this week's episode of the Centre Pass podcast. As always, go follow us on social media at Centre Pass Pod on Twitter, at Centre Pass Podcast on Facebook. Feel free to send us a message online, uh, chat about the games. We'll hopefully be at some on the weekend and we'll chat to you next week.